the one and two seeds are gone. Duke and Kentucky are gone. Andy, I don't know who's coming out of the East region, but it's going to be wild. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome into Locked On College Basketball, the only daily national college hoop show out there. And right now, I do mean literally daily, seven days a week. My guy, Andy Patton, and I are coming at you. We're your co-hosts, and we want to thank you for joining us as we are getting ready for the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Andy, coming up in like 48 hours. Holy cow. Let's get it going. Coming up on today's show, the coaching carousel is in full swing. I'm riding the horse. Andy, what carousel animal are you on right now? Well, we always had a, uh, there's a tiger at our local carousel. So I'm going to be saying I'm on the tiger, I guess. Yes. I love it. In fact, we had some breaking news, like literally as we hit record. So we'll give you all of that in the third segment today. But what we want to do before that is preview Thursday's sweet 16 action. So we're going to have the East bracket followed by the West bracket. So in the East, let's start there. Cause those are the games that tip first TBS At Madison Square Garden there in New York City, the first game between K-State and Michigan State tips at 6.30 Eastern, followed by the fourth-seeded Tennessee and number 9 FAU 30 minutes after that first game. And Andy, here's before before we get into these actual two games, as I've stopped and re-looked at what's left in the entirety of the bracket, this is the region that, to me, feels the most wide open now because... We lost the one and two seeds, Purdue and Marquette. What a poor one mm-hmm. out Mar- final <laughs> four pick in that region. Um, but also, we we had these teams in Duke and Kentucky, the five and six seeds, very talent rich, although slightly lower seeded. And, mm-hmm. and you and I talked kind of ad nauseum about how great Duke was playing. Mm-hmm. All of this, Kentucky, while they've been that inconsistent for a long time and have had some injury issues, It's Kentucky, right? Mm -hmm. And they usually peak around right now. Well, all four of those teams are gone. And that leaves us with Kansas State, Michigan State, Tennessee, and FAU. And you start looking at it and you realize, hey, it's not some out there in the ether thing right now. One of those four teams Mm -hmm. will 100%, unless the tournament ends because of a a global (laughs) pandemic again, one of those four teams will be a Final Four participant. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to, to think about. I, I think a lot of people didn't have chalk in this region when looking at the bracketology. I think there was a lot of hesitation about Purdue, not just from us, but from many others. I think there was a lot of hesitation about Marquette as well because the defense just kind of wasn't there. Uh, and so I think people seeing a lack of a one and a two seeds coming out of the East region maybe isn't shocking. But most people kind of picked up the slack there by expecting either uh, excuse me, Duke or Kentucky. Like yeah. you said, like those were kind of the, the trendy non one seed non two seed picks to come out of the east region and instead we don't have any of those four teams all of them are gone we're left with the teams that i think quite honestly I, without having looked at the data but the teams that i think were generally the least projected teams to come out of here at kansas state I, I mean this is a team that was picked to finish last in the big 12 in the right in the preseason like they were not expected to be uh, a contender for a Big 12 tournament championship. They weren't expected to be nationally ranked. They were certainly not expected to get a three seed in the NCAA tournament if they were expected to make the NCAA tournament at all. And yet here we are 
with this team taking care of business in the first round, with this team taking care of business in the second round against Kentucky. And now they're advancing into the Sweet 16. They have one of the best young guards or one of the best guards in the country in Marquise Noel. Keontae Johnson's been playing fantastic. And, and we're talking about, a, you know, it's a three seed. It shouldn't be shocking, but considering where they came from, that's extraordinary. And then you have uh, Tennessee, four seed, again, a team that was in the top 10 uh, at times throughout the regular season. So definitely not uh, – shocking that they're here either but they lost to Kai Ziegler to an injury and they weren't playing particularly well down the stretch and coming up against a hot Duke team it was definitely not expected that they would be the team advancing there and then going down of course you have a seven seed and a nine seed that's always unusual Uh, Michigan State it's not unusual to see Tom Izzo here Uh, that's something that they do a lot we talked about this on a recent show I believe Michigan State has advanced to the Sweet 16 as a seven seed three times under Tom Izzo. So this is something that, again, January, February, Izzo, April, <laughs> May, et cetera. Like that is what Tom Izzo and that team does. And then, of course, you have FAU, Florida Atlantic, possibility to go to the Final Four for this program. And I think you just look at the, you know, again, you look at the South region and Alabama is is there with a, a handful of other teams that are kind of plucky underdogs, Creighton, San Diego State, uh, Princeton, of course. But Alabama is probably going to make it out of that region. Maybe not, but, you know, that's not exactly going to be a big shock. Out of here, it's going to be one of those four teams. And either way, I think the story is is very, very cool. You have a, an injured Tennessee team, a Michigan State team that is the only Big Ten school remaining that obviously had a, a, a horrific act of violence on their campus at East Lansing earlier this year. Uh, and then, of course, FAU. It's a it's a really, really fun region, and I'm glad that one of these four teams is going to be dancing in the Final Four. Yeah, and Andy, even even looking at it, I think people look at that and see the FAU of it all and think, oh, mm-hmm. they're so much further behind everybody else. Let's mm-hmm. look at Ken Palm rankings really quick. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is sixth, but then these other three teams are mm-hmm. all jumbled right together. Kansas State, 21st. Florida mm-hmm. Atlantic, 22. Wow. And Michigan State, 25. Wow. And so, I mean, like... At, at this point, not only is this field, this region wide open because of the, the one and two going down in Duke and Kentucky, but mm-hmm. man, they are jumbled together in terms of how Ken Palm sees them. And I am here for it. So this is wide open and potentially really, really exciting. So don't count out FAU folks as a mm-hmm. potential final four participant. Yeah. And I think the the matchup that I'm really looking forward to as much fun as that one is going to be, I think this Kansas state, Michigan state game is going to be really, really fun. And we're seeing right now, FanDuel has the Spartans. What? I mean, those teams favored by one and a half points on FanDuel. And I'm surprised by this. I I think there's a lot of people really counting out Kansas state. And I, I, I'm not sure why after they beat Kentucky and, and, once we saw that game, we saw how Marquise Noel played in that game. We saw how Keontae Johnson played Jerome tanks, teams play elite defense. Like this is, this is a really, really good team, and I'm surprised. Michigan State, I mean, no disrespect to them. Obviously, they beat a good USC team. They beat an even better Marquette team in the second round and in a game where the expectation was, well, guard play is going to win out, and Marquette had better guards, and that wasn't the case in that game. Michigan State did a good job defensively on Tyler Kolek and, and slowed him down and was able to, to get really productive performances from Tyson Walker and uh, Mati Sissoko and, and, and had a really good game. But I just I'm not sure if they can do it again. And, and for me, like I think Kansas State is a better team. Uh, it's hard to bet against Tom Izzo in March. Yeah, really, really hard to bet against Tom Izzo in March. But to me, I think Kansas State's going to take this one. I'm right with you. This is a wrong team favorite situation, Andy. <laughs> wrong team. We often talk about like every time, every time the line setters get it right somehow, some way. But come on, like no, this this is wrong team 
favored for for Kansas State like you were talking about that defense and and I'm right with you on that and I, I think here's the thing Andy we've gesticulated is that the word I'm looking for I don't sure, know I like it <laughs> uh we've theorized we've thought about so mm-hmm. much like how will these big 12 teams do coming out of big 12 will it have mm-hmm. been this battering ram of a conference that leaves them all beaten and mm-hmm. bloodied and broken mm-hmm. or will they like breathe a sigh of relief and just start steamrolling people getting out well we're down to just Kansas State and Texas left out of the Big 12. And, of yep. course, some of that's matchups. But um, some of it is maybe teams not as good as as thought. But with mm-hmm. Kansas State, I think they are showing, like, what happened in Big 12 play for them was no fluke. I'm right with you. I'm following uh, that Kansas State should knock off Michigan State mm-hmm. on Thursday night. 30 minutes after that game ends, we will get a tip between fourth-seeded Tennessee and ninth-seeded F. A U Tennessee. The line started with the Vols favored by five and a half. It's moved slightly to them being favored four and a half. You never know what causes that movement, but I'll tell you what it is. Don't trust Tennessee, Andy. Yeah. We're gonna keep using that refrain, even though that for, for those who haven't been with us, that's been like a, a season-long running joke for us mm-hmm. here on the show. Don't trust Tennessee. But Andy, I still feel that way. However, at this point. Mm-hmm. they might be the favorite to come yeah. out of this bracket of these four. I, I haven't looked up, you know, mm-hmm. the odds on, on the East region or whatever, mm-hmm. but given the defense, like K-State's defense is great. Tennessee's defense is elite, even without Zakai Ziegler. The question is just going to be, where does the offense come from? And you never know from one game to the next. That said, keep in mind, good people out there, No team has ever won the national championship shooting under 32.9% from three. We're going to keep banging that Mm -hmm. home into your heads. So Tennessee might reach the final four, Mm -hmm. but I will stay on this, that they will not be your national champion. Well, Isaac, we got more stuff coming, previewing these games, looking at some final four predictions, looking at the the potential most improved players, uh, most outstanding players in each of these regions. But what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the West region because it no longer features Kansas. But the two, three, the two seed, the three seed, and the four seed all remain in what should be some really, really exciting basketball on Friday. Before we get into that, though, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Make sure you check out all of the lines for this weekend's Sweet 16 games. We covered a few from there. We got more to cover coming up here in the second segment. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Isaac, West Region, Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, CBS. We got ourselves a couple of fantastic (laughs) basketball games. Look, the big story in the West Region was 
the initially was the placement of Kansas in the West region with many expecting that they would get the Midwest region and that Houston would be the team headed out West. Uh, when that did not happen, there was a lot of conversation around Kansas of, is this a bad draw for them? They got UConn or St. Mary's in the sweet 16. Then they got either Gonzaga or UCLA. Most likely uh, are they even going to be able to come out of the region? And here's the deal. They didn't even make it to the sweet 16. This team ran into a buzzsaw in Arkansas in the second round. Arkansas defeated them, and now we have a Sweet 16 out of the West region with a 2-seed, two, two a 3-seed, a 4-seed, and an 8-seed in Arkansas. And I think it sets up some really interesting matchups because Arkansas, yes, they are an 8-seed, but they are not your typical 8-seed. This is a top-10 preseason team, a team that dealt with injuries throughout the year, a, a really, really dynamic, talented squad that, I mean, didn't just beat Kansas because Kansas had an off night. They beat Kansas because they played really, really well against a good Kansas team. So I think there's a lot of intrigue in this region. There's a lot of really, really good teams. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see some some good basketball being played on Friday. Oh, we absolutely will. Andy, I just talked about the Ken Baum rankings of the teams in the East bracket. Listen to this. We have three of the top seven Ken mm-hmm. Baum teams. Yep. UCLA third, UConn four, Gonzaga seven, yep. and Arkansas themselves are. So let, let's not, you know, if you do the math, an eight seed would be like teams up through 32, right? right 30, 30 yeah. 20, whatever. 29, 30, 31, and 32. Arkansas is 19th yeah. overall at Ken Palm. And so this this bracket continues to be, or this region continues to be the region of death. And I, man, like you said, I am thrilled to see these matchups. Like it, it should be epic. All four games, don't, just because UCLA Gonzaga is the maybe more anticipated, let's mm-hmm. not sleep on UConn, Arkansas. That's going to be yeah. an electric game itself. However, Andy, even though UCLA-Gonzaga is the game that tips off second of these, I want to start with this one because it's got some electric history in the NCAA tournament. The line for this game started at one and a half for UCLA. It's since moved to the Bruins favored by two and a half. Andy, I know that you have had your eyes very closely on this history. Talk to us Mm -hmm. some about these games from 2006 Mm -hmm. and 2021. Yeah, the Gonzaga-UCLA has kind of emerged as, as one of the top-tier West Coast rivalries in college basketball, uh, mostly in the tournament. They've, they've played each other in non-conference games occasionally as well. Uh, and I think the Gonzaga-Arizona rivalry is the one that people were expecting to peak, and there was a lot of Mark Few versus Sean Miller battles in non-conference before Sean Miller left Arizona. They have not played each other since Tommy Lloyd came in. They probably will not for a while just because of the close relationship of those two coaches. So it's kind of moved over to being a a Gonzaga versus UCLA type thing. And of course, 2006, 17 years to the day that this game is going to be played on Thursday was a 17 point comeback by UCLA late in the second half. They won the game. Adam Morrison cried on the court. It's been, uh, (laughs) people have carried signs of Adam Morrison crying to Gonzaga away games for the last 17 years from that. Um, Very, very iconic moment in NCAA tournament history, certainly in, in the history of both of those two programs. And then of course you have 2021, the a rematch, not even their first rematch in the NCAA tournament, mind you. They played each other as well, and I think 2015 or 2016, Gonzaga won that one. But 2021 was in the Final Four, both really, really good teams. UCLA was a play-in 11 seed that made it all the way to the Final Four. Gonzaga was a undefeated one seed, played them really, really close, hit that lay. Johnny Juzang hit that lay-in 90-90. to 90. Uh, 
with three and a half seconds left. Jalen Suggs gets one step past half court, pulls up, banks it in, ends UCLA season, continues Gonzaga's undefeated season for two more days before Baylor uh, smoked the doors right off of them in the early part of that game. But an incredible, extraordinary game, two elite NCAA tournament battles, both between Gonzaga and UCLA. Very, very cool that we are getting to see this rematch again. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. UCLA is one of the best defensive teams in the entire country, uh, top two in Ken Palm right now. But they are without Jalen Clark, who is the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, And then we have this issue with David Singleton, where David Singleton, he went down with an ankle injury at the very end of their game against Northwestern. It looked very bad. Broadcaster Brendan Haywood was basically like pleading with them to not replay it because of how bad it looked. Uh, But then the reports seem to indicate that he might be fine, that he might be able to play. And so we haven't heard anything definitive as we're recording this right now. I think it's notable that the line went from one and a half to two and a half. I don't know. Uh, Vegas tends to know things before anybody else does. So UCLA getting a bump there. Uh, it probably means something. So that might be worth keeping an eye on as well there. But uh, Adem Bona, of course, uh, has been uh, banged up. He, he, he's he been playing in the NCAA tournament. He's their star freshman post. But they're going to need every single every single percentage that he can give them in that game because defending Drew Timmy is really, really hard. And UCLA, they don't have the size in the front court that a lot of other teams who, who might match up a little bit better with Gonzaga do, but they're still an elite defensive team. And, and on the other side of the ball, Gonzaga doesn't stop dribble penetration well, and UCLA's got guys who do that extraordinarily well. So it's going to be a, a high-level basketball game between two really good teams. It, it really will. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, like UCLA, Andy, I, I think for both of us, has looked a lot better than we thought they would be without mm-hmm. Jalen Clark. And has given reason to think like, Hey, UCLA might have had a circle the wagons moment where they just figured out what do they need to do mm-hmm. and, and ran that playbook, whatever it was really well in the first weekend of the tournament. The question yeah. is now as the competition level steps up, can they continue to do that again against Gonzaga and then potentially against if they if they make it on either mm-hmm. uh, UConn or Arkansas in the sure. Elite Eight, and so we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens because you know, I mean it's just it's just a different playing field with brighter lights and and you just never know. I have no reason to think that they won't, mm-hmm. especially if Singleton and and Bona are both ready to go. Now, if either or both of those guys are out, uh, we we could be in for uh, Mark Fuse crew moving mm-hmm. on pretty easily. Speaking of that UConn. Arkansas matchup. Let's move on to it where FanDuel has UConn favored by three and a half points. And and Andy, like the storyline here is Adama Sinogo. He mm-hmm. has been what I, I think both of us would say, if not the best player, one of the top two, three, four players in the entire tournament mm-hmm. so far. Um, so so there's that. The the interesting thing though is while we're we're talking so much about UConn's front court with he and Donovan Klingon, mm-hmm. the the conversation for Arkansas is all about the back court guys mm-hmm. like Black and Walsh mm-hmm. and if Nick Smith can get going, it's yeah. all about the back court. And so mm-hmm. I love matchups like this where it's like ah, we're gonna score inside, but then the other team's gonna come down and just race it down mm-hmm. your throat. How how do you see that? Um, balance of power playing mm-hmm. out in the earlier game for the West region, which will tip off at seven fifteen on CBS. 
we talk a lot about how important guard play is in March, and, and UConn has kind of bucked the trend a little bit by by being so overly reliant on Adama Sanogo, and he's the leading scorer in the NCAA tournament through the first couple of games. Uh, I mean, we talked about Gonzaga a little bit as well, and they they have have done something similar where they rely very heavily on Drew Timmy. And, and I think for UConn, the big question is going to be what their guards can do. Can mm-hmm. Tristan Newton step up? He has been he's shot less than forty two percent from the field in the NCAA tournament so far. Uh, can Jordan Hawkins step up? He's been much better, but can they do it against uh, Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh, two really, really good perimeter defensive players for Arkansas? Like, I think that's the story. And then offensively, yeah. like, can Arkansas figure out a way to acclimate Nick Smith into the offense? He scored six points in two NCAA tournament games. He has not been good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no other way to look at it. And they've been relying more on Black and more on Jordan Walsh. And, of course, Ricky Council has been extraordinary. And, and I think Arkansas has the better guard play, and, and that tends to be the thing that wins out. But there's such a massive discrepancy in terms of what UConn can do in the front court with Sonogo and Klingon that it's hard It's hard to bet against them on that either. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think we're at that point. Similar to what I said about uh, for UCLA, we get to the point stepping up the competition level this Mm -hmm. is the point at which that might get exposed i think the same is true now for arkansas with nick smith if they can't get him going this is the moment where Mm -hmm. these higher elite teams are going to find ways to say all right arkansas if you can't get your most talented player acclimated Mm -hmm. and and understandably so for arkansas who's been without him the majority of the season right now we're going to expose that and send you back to fayetteville which Mm -hmm. i just drove through last night i've been andy I've been through all these places. It just keeps hitting me. And so I, I waved hi to Fayetteville, got some Zaxby's as we went through. And I said, listen, must bus. I want to see that shirt off again on Thursday and Saturday. You guys getting ready to go to the final four. No, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with this game. And folks, we'll have our picks for all these sweet 16 and elite eight games coming up for you on Thursday's show. And so we've had thursday's games today we're gonna have friday's games on wednesday's show but now to wrap today's show we already teased off the top we got some great coaching carousel movement rick patino is back in the big east andy for the third time and is having the opportunity to make st john's immediately relevant again well ed cooley did something no big east coach has dared to attempt before him how will it work out and oh by the way fdu cashing in yep. on that historic upset over Purdue. We're going to talk about all of that in just a second. All right, Andy, two massive Big East hires, and then the resulting things that happen as a follow-up to the coaching carousel action. We've got Ed Cooley moving to Georgetown. We got Rick Patino coming back to the Big East and St. John's, and we're going to talk about each of these individually. But before we get there, I think these – are two great hires for the Big East. Mm -hmm. We've talked so much this season about how strong the Big East has been, and I think that both of these hires only serve to solidify the big standing amongst the conference elites in Division I, just continuing to raise the profile of this conference, which, as we said, has already had a big year, has three teams Mm -hmm. in the Sweet 16 tied for the most in the country. What do you think? about these two hires. The Big East is back, man. I mean, that quite honestly, that's that's what this means to me. We're t- it's, it's a Monday in the middle of the NCAA tournament, and the news cycle was all about the Big East on Monday. All of it. 
three teams in the NCAA tournament, Rick Pitino coming back to join St. John's. What's going to happen at Providence? Is Ed Cooley leaving? Is he staying? And there was some drama. There was some intrigue. There's some anger. There's some emotion. The Big East is like the mecca of college basketball historically. You look at the 80s, you look at the early 90s, you look even into the mid-90s with Allen Iverson and, and UConn's rise to prominence with Jim Calhoun and everything. And, and we're talking about like the premier college basketball conversation starter in the Big East. And then it died. I mean, <laughs> it died. Like it, it just dismantled. They brought it back together. They kind of shoehorned some other programs in, some that have worked out really, really well. Uh, like Marquette, obviously being a two seed and winning the Big East tournament this year, getting some that have not worked back. out as well. Uh, yeah, getting UConn back was great. Some, you know, B- Butler and, and other programs that haven't really brought, risen the level of the of the conference as much as they might have hoped. But look at the coaches that are in this conference now. Of course, Ed Cooley remains in the conference, but he jumps to a a, a more prominent program. Uh, you add Rick Pitino, you already have Shaka Smart, you have Sean Miller, you have. All of these just Thad incredible. Thad Mata. You have uh, Shaheen Holloway did a really, really nice job. You Kyle Neptune, I think, is going to be a solid coach in time. Like we're talking about some really, really good coaches, and I think Providence is going to make a good hire. We haven't heard uh, specifically what they're going to do yet. Micah Shrewsbury is rumored there uh, out of Penn State. I would State. love that. I would love that. That would be huge. I think that'd be huge. But yeah, Ed Cooley, like this is crazy. This is cr- he left a Big East job for another Big East job. That has never happened before. <laughs> And and we're talking two OG Big East programs, like with no disrespect, but if, if a Butler coach left to go to Marquette, yes, it would be that same situation. But we're talking like programs that have hated each other since the 80s. Like these programs have been together forever. And now Georgetown and Providence have this hated thing between them with Ed Cooley going to Georgetown. That first game Georgetown plays in the dunk. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he is going to hear it. It is going to be like intense for lack of a better word it is going to be loud it is going to be boisterous and there is going to be some feelings being felt in that stadium at ed cooley and, and i i understand the decision that he made i think the way that it happened uh was tough and i understand the front providence fans are not happy right now and i understand it. they feel like they're they're losing recruits they're losing like all this this family atmosphere that was built to providence just kind of went away somewhat suddenly uh and it's and it's hard it's always hard to lose a coach to lose a coach to a conference rival like that is is i mean there's a reason it's never happened in the big east and it's going to be it's going to be intense to see but at the same time cooley's got a chance to really do some good things with georgetown and i think that I don't think it's going to take them too long to get this program back to relevance in the era of NIL and the era of the transfer portal, uh, having a good high profile coach like that come into your program. Like I I think Ed Koo is going to turn this thing around for the Hoyas within a year. The most recent parallel I can think of with that intra conference thing you're talking about there Mm -hmm. is Chris Beard going from Texas tech to Texas and the straight up vitriol he experienced when he had to go back to Lubbock, which by the way, with Texas moving to the sec, he's going to have to do again when Ole Miss traveled to Austin. So (laughs) I cannot wait for that. Anyway, Georgetown, Andy is just one of those programs that college basketball is better when Georgetown basketball is good. Like that's, that's just a truism. And I, like I hate, I hate that the Patrick Ewing thing didn't work out, mm-hmm. but it just didn't. And that's the thing sometimes. And hopefully he's able to still maintain a good and healthy relationship with Georgetown. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't want to see animosity there, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was bad, Andy. Like I could take you through all the numbers, but let's just say this, the last two seasons, things have gone from mediocre mm-hmm. for Patrick Ewing to worse 13 and 50 overall two and 37 in big East 
uh, play six seasons there, one winning season, that one mm-hmm. NCAA tournament, and that was only because they made that miracle yeah. Big East run. But I, I think the thing for me that's perhaps the biggest feather in the cap that helps me think Cooley's going to do great is that when Ewing was at Georgetown, he severely underachieved. And while Ed Cooley was at Providence, he severely overachieved. Yeah. You look at the past two seasons when he won the, the mm-hmm. Big East regular season last year and came very close to doing so yeah. again this year. And so, Andy, before we move to Patino at St. John's, I want to ask this question, or actually have you finished this statement? I guess I'll say it that way. Five years from right now, Ed Cooley will have taken Georgetown to blank NCAA tournaments. I'm going to say four. Oh, I like that. What's the off year? Is it this first year or is it somewhere in the middle? I think it's the first year, but it also wouldn't shock me if they make a run this year, stumble in year two, and then start cruising after that. Yep, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. For mm-hmm. me, it's four and it's a sophomore slump, right? Like yep. you, you spend a band, spends all of their lives working on their first album and it's the second <laughs> one that sucks. Yeah. And then they pick it up after that. <laughs> I think it's four and yep. I think it's year two where they miss out. Yep. Isaac, Rick Pitino's back. Patino is back in the in the big leagues with no disrespect to Iona, but he is back in the Big East. That is where he's wanted to be. Third different Big East school for him, sixth different program. An extraordinary career, a career marred in controversy in in various other things. Of course, the Louisville situation, losing that uh, NCAA tournament championship in 2013, uh, won a national championship in 1996 that still hangs. He he does have the banner for that one at Kentucky, Uh, has taken three schools to the finals four in Louisville, Kentucky, and then uh, Providence back in 1987. Friar still in the conversation here. I love this move. I absolutely love this move. I know that there's controversy with Patino, obviously, uh, but he's, you know, there's no more NCAA punishments. He's back with uh, in the area he wants to be. He doesn't have to move. He can stay at St. John's. Uh, He's going to get New York guards. He's going to get Manhattan guards into this program. I I think this is going to be so, so fun. I think Patino being willing to coach another school in the Big East just proves how much he loves that conference. He's been an integral part of the conference since, you know, shortly after it started in the 80s when he was at Providence, of course. And and I think that seeing him back in this conference, even at his advanced age, you know, he he signed a six-year contract, which is kind of wild. The dude is 70. And he'll be 76 when this contract is up. Yeah, he's uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to quit it. That's for darn sure. And he's going to stick around and keep doing it. And and I, I think this is a really fun hire. And, and I'm excited to see what happens at St. John's. It's unfortunate that, you know, Mike Anderson is unhappy with with the situation that he was put into as the former coach. He is he is suing the school and we'll certainly provide updates on that as we hear more about that situation and, and his allegations and everything there. But I understand the desire to bring Rick Pitino in. I understand the desire to bring a coach with winning mentality who's been in the Big East, who's who's recruited successfully on the East Coast. And, and I, I mean, similar to to the question you asked before with uh, with Georgetown and, and Ed Cooley, like I think Rick Pitino is going to get St. John's back in the dance, and I think it's going to happen soon. And I, I'm maybe not four out of the next five years, but give me three, give me three years out of the next five where St. John's is going to be in the big dance because of Rick Pitino. 
I'm going with four with this one as nice. well, but I think the opposite. I think it'll be this first year where mm-hmm. it's, it's just going to take a little bit longer yeah. to turn the tide mm-hmm. at St. John's. I, I don't know what gives me that vibe, but I think it will. Right now, Rick Pitino is one of only four coaches to take five different schools yeah. to the NCAA tournament. And Andy, very quickly, he will become the only coach to take six, mm-hmm. six schools to the He's NCAA insane. tournament. And I think that just shows uh, the – how you should believe in Rick Pitino that in any era of college basketball, he's going to get it done. Andy, very quickly. Can you name the other three coaches who have taken five schools to the NCAA tournament? Oh man. Uh, no, is what I'm going to say is my first answer. Uh, okay. Cal hasn't been at five. Has he? Correct. He's yeah. Close. One is a recent retiree uh, whose son took over for his big 12 school had previously been somewhere in the state of nevada Ooh, too many hints i'm out lon kruger oh kruger okay unlv and then uh, steve alford who just recently did it by taking nevada and then the other uh, interestingly enough another guy who had been at kentucky and won a national championship tubby smith yep Tulsa, Georgia, Kentucky, Minnesota, and Texas Tech for Tubby. And so, Andy, I'm right with you. I love Patino getting back to this thing. I I think Louisville jumped the gun a little bit on letting him go because we've seen basically none of these other coaches get Mm -hmm. fired for for what they did. Uh, And so, I mean, you know, there's the Will Way and Sean, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I think Louisville probably could have fought that off. And so I'm just – really glad to see him back at this level same mm-hmm. with like it's good for college basketball for georgetown to be relevant yeah. it's good for college basketball to have rick patino back in the show mm-hmm. as you said and oh by the way uh we teased some breaking coaching carousel news mm-hmm. literally as we hit record we learned that florida fairly dickinson's tobin anderson mm-hmm. is going to be the one replacing patino at Iona. Great stuff there. Love to see him able to parlay uh, that run into this, and hopefully the Gales will mm-hmm. stay relevant. So, um, Andy, coaching carousel is all around us, and it will only continue to spin. Well, Isaac, want to thank you, of course, for how much work you have done, as we have done in March here. We're recording every single day for the listeners. Thank you so much for sticking with us. It has been so much fun to to get the opportunity to cover what has been a wild March madness. Uh, and we're not done. We're coming at you every single day for the rest of the month, uh, previewing Final Four games, Elite Eight games, continuing to talk about the coaching carousel, talking about the transfer portal, uh, everything that is going on in this wonderful, beautiful, insane game of college basketball that we cover. And we're going to be with you long after the season is over throughout the spring, throughout the summer, going into next season. So stick with us. You can find us on YouTube at Lockdown College Basketball. Basketball, hit that big red subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can leave us comments on YouTube. You can find the show wherever you get podcasts as well. Much more coming your way later this week. More coverage coming on the upcoming Elite Eight matchups, Sweet 16 matchups, I should say, going into the Elite Eight. Uh, So stick with us for now, though. Peace. Peace out.